0: Um, hello there and welcome to Pivotal Film. I am Tom Nolan, And I'm Mario Ponzio. And we're in the... Uh, well, no, this is the first week of our little break from the list as uh, we go through the holiday season. Distanced. Yep. Because of the COVID-19.
1: It's doing its, doing its job. Yep. Making people sick. Ruining people's Christmases. It's great.
0: People should have had their Christmas ruined anyway, so...
1: That's true. I'm, you, I'm not a Christmas fan. As um, maybe I'm on the record on this podcast as, as being not a Christmas guy. I'm
0: sure. I'm sure you said it offhandedly before in some <laughs> review of some film. Perhaps we don't review a lot of Christmas movies, though. I feel like we, we don't. avoid them. Yeah, we still Except have one. Except for Happy Season. We have one Christmas. Well, I mean, like in terms of the list, I think I'm the only one that's really had Christmas movies on my list.
1: Um, and it's Wonderful
0: Life. Uh, there's one other Christmas film to come. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, not yeah. for Christmases. No. <laughs> if only it is a uh, Christmas of a cranks.
1: Ah oh, yes, I was hoping you'd have a two-melon Christmas movie on your that John Prisham Jen. Oh, man, that is a good one. That is a but good. But no, one.
0: we're taking a break. Uh, we'll be back with the list in early January.
1: Yeah, well, we've not talked about that. We'll figure something out. Um, i part of me wants to know. If, uh, part of me wants, but I think part of the session should be: Do we want to like add new movies or add list movies to the amount of movies we're going to have to watch going into like the beginning of January? Because I think we're going to get just bombarded with stuff, like movies or yeah, like new stuff that we need ah. to see for end of year lists.
0: Why not? I mean, I don't think we're going to get bombarded. I think stuff will kind of calm down. You saw Green Knight got a new release date. It's now July 21st. Ooh, people have been waiting with... Ba- I actually forgot that movie existed. David Lowry did too. He's what moved is- on to whatever new Disney project he's scheduled to. I think he's doing Peter Pan.
1: Oh my God. They're going to do another
0: Peter Pan? Yeah. With oh. no Jason Isaacs, I think so. What's the point then? exactly why even
1: bother no jason Um, no jason isaacs is going to play peter pan
0: yeah that'd be great uh so i think to start off we're going to continue our streak of small axe films our second to last one um and this film that tom will be the one to describe the plot of because he saw it most recently
1: that's true is
0: alex weedle
1: Mm-hmm. For me, it was mm-hmm. always about the music. Mm-hmm.
2: Uprising is an uprising. There ain't no work and we have no shilling. We can't take no more of this suffering. So we riot in a big style. We are the small, small X, X. sharpened to but cut you, you down. down.
0: Or Weddle.
1: (coughs) Weedle, right? Weedle, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, One of the things I really like about this, um, the the Small Axe series, that if you go to Wikipedia and you try to look up what it's about, it tells you um, that it's about a... So this specific film. Let's look at this specific film. And we kind of talked a little bit about this last week with Red, White, and Blue, but this specific film I think is even more um, interesting. If you look at what it's about, it says um, a uh, British novelist Alex Weedle you know, recounts his experience with blah, 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 blah. And you're watching this and you're just like, but he's not a novelist. He's just a kid. He's just a kid writing bad reggae songs and like trying to stay out, trying to learn the best way he can to kind of be a part of this community while learning also that he needs to avoid the police while also learning that he's, um, you know. Crying about Christmas. He, he also doesn't like Christmas. Yeah, that was a kind of a out line, but I guess I, I understand it. um digging into reggae music and and kind of trying to find his way through the world and then the uh the Brixton riots happen after the um after some police or somebody firebombs um a, a dance at a house uh leaving 13 people dead and just like dozens more wounded um and he ends up in he ends up in jail um for you know stuff related to that. I guess and they raid the house. There's like this uh, the the police institute kind of uh, systemic raid of 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 um, black people in in Britain, and, and he goes to jail for four months. And then he gets we get the the Black Jacobins come back. They were there in Mangrove, and people were just like, oh, the Black Jacobins, and and now the Black Jacobins are back. And Simeon, his cellmate, is like, you have to read, you have to educate yourself, you have to find out um, who you are. And he, when he gets out of jail, he, he, like you said, he jokers himself and steals his file from the, from the, from the government that has everything about him that he doesn't know. um, And he reads it and then the movie ends. So before he, and he says, he's going to, he's thinking about writing a book, but before he can put one letter down in on his way to becoming a novelist, the movie stops in the same exact way that in red, white, and blue, right after, right as John is kind of, dealing with or John Boyega's character is kind of dealing with the ramifications of being black on this institutionally racist police force before he is even remotely close to doing the thing that he's most famous for or his his character is most famous for the movie stops and it's become like a thing now for me I like I love waiting to see where the movie's gonna end and like how far away from you know um what this person will actually become this movie's the the movie's going to stop and where steve mcqueen is going to say uh that's it that's all you need to know about this guy this is where like the next steps are important but they don't they're not important to like the story that we're trying to tell yeah
0: mangrove i think is the one that most conclusively kind of finishes its narrative in terms of you know what? What it sets out to do, what the history of it uh, was was set out to be, and like the the most important parts of the history. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything else kind of just is this like backbone. Uh, and *Lovers Rock* being kind of a, a fictionalized tale, kind of just to set a tone of and it's so like, different West Indies like culture. Yeah. It doesn't have um, like a
1: narrative. It doesn't have like a, a the traditional narrative structure that the other three films have.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, but the other two have definitely ended at a moment before the person rises to prominence. In, mm-hmm. In the culture, um, yeah, no, I think this is another. This is probably my oh, God. These these ones are hard to rank, and I hate the fact. I feel like such a contrarian that now Lover's Rock is my like least favorite of the four, mm-hmm. and like all these end of year lists are putting it, it as like the fourth best film
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, of the year. um But like I would say that's, that this is probably my third now in the ranking. Oh, okay, um, I still like Red, White, and Blue the most. Van Grove. I think just feels like a fuller motion picture. But this one, uh, it's, it's also like comparing this entire series continues to be like comparing it to the rest of films of the years is is a difficult thing because it's like, here's this and like three other movies or four other movies that have come out this year. And here's the totality of films of 2020. Mm. It exists in this different level. And Alex Biddle continues to do that. And it's because even though they have the characteristics of of Steve McQueen, that that kind of like I said the narrative closeness and, and the tension therein with mm-hmm. with with small things with with tight things close things mm-hmm. very personal things um, each feels so uniquely different in the way in which that unfolds sure um, this one plays so much more attention to the language the like the kind of the slang of the West Indies. Than the other three. Um, that it t- like this is definitely a film I'd suggest almost to watch with subtitles because it is yes, so heavily yeah, yeah. like flooded with the slang. And but it feels, and that way it feels so intimate. And all these films feel incredibly intimate, but each in their own different way. And it's yeah. shocking. I mean, it should be shocking at this point, but it's shocking to see a director be able to do this uniquely, do this one thing uniquely four different ways and i'm sure it's gonna be a different way to you know whenever i watch education
1: yeah yeah yeah. well and i and it i that you've been saying that and i agree with you um and it's not like i haven't noticed it but it wasn't like the first thing that kind of jumped to mind when i was watching these movies like when i watched red white and blue i didn't say to myself first the first thing i I didn't say to myself first thing wow this movie is so different from the, the other two movies because it's just it you know it's steve mcqueen he's gonna do some stuff blah blah blah, blah, blah. um this is the first movie I, I i i maybe it's because you've been kind of you've been you know you've been talking about that a lot this is the first movie i noticed because it's so much um it's so angry and the other movies are angry about something too but they have moments of anger but the the um uh prevalent emotion in each of them is is not necessarily anger there's something else there's like a disappointment that runs through mangrove there's a hope that runs through lover's rock there's a kind of um existential questioning that's that's happening in um red white and blue
0: as, as well as like a, a willpower, like willpower plays a big part of Red, White, and Blue. Sure, as well. but it's it, like everything's
1: so quiet. The, the, I love juxtaposing the sound design in will—I uh, was going to call it willpower—in Red, White, and Blue to this because there's like almost no sound sometimes in Red, White, and Blue. It's just like there's you know sometimes there's no score, there's no soundtrack. It's just John Boyega walking around or looking there's at no something.
0: Sick Thomas Newman jazz.
1: Uh, I don't even want to talk about that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> his, his, his attempt to copy sideways. Um, this actually, it reminds me a lot of lovers rock in the sense that there's music running through the whole thing, except for the fact that in lovers rock it's actually music. And when they're not playing music in um, Alex Weedle, they're talking and that talking is so musical and they're sometimes talking about music Um and it just has a sing song quality to it. And like, sometimes towards the end of the film, like his talking actually kind of becomes music as he's practicing being an MC. Um, and, but beyond that, like the riot scenes are so loud and so like in your face and that they're so rhythmically heavy, but they're also really chaotic. So it doesn't have that same, like the stamping feet of Lover's Rock, but it's a different kind of stamping. So instead of instead of it being like, to a time signature with just those, you know, uh, riot police just hammering on their shields.
0: And I agree. And there's there's a, a cadence also just to the language. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how often, like, if you look at the the dialogue, the, the subtitles, like, sucking teeth plays a big role in all these films. Yeah, I mean, we talked about that um, here too. Yeah, and and the fact is, like, here it has like a melody to it. Like, there's there's a real melody to just the language of it. There's mm-hmm. a cadence to everything. This is, it's, it's it's shocking how much control there is in these films. Oh, like it's, yeah. It's almost, like, unnerving. Like, the fact that this dude is, has impeccable fashion sense, Steve McQueen, <laughs> and also has, like, the the ability to make these films in, like, a year and a half long time span.
1: Well, and they, and they come feeling fully realized, and you, like, you look at the running time, and you're like, whoa, 66 minutes or something like that, and you're like, that's gonna be what's that going to be about? And, you know, it's got a, it's got a poem in the middle of it, you know, with some still black and white, still still Mm. images from the riots, um, which we've kind of just, we've kind of, you know, we end up coming back. Like he takes us out of the still imagery, takes us away from the poem and then he drops us back in the narrative um, of the film. And it's just at the end kind of period of those riots. Um, But they don't feel, they don't ever feel like experiments. They don't ever feel like attempts at something. They feel um, more real than like most directors. And, you know, and we can talk about the director we'll talk about next, I guess, well, than his attempts to be,
0: to, when he's actually, what, doing what actually a real what actually, thing. What actually made me, what this felt like a, a real good comparison to in terms of directors, something like a Gus Van Zandt. It felt like a real kind of Gus Van Zandt attempted experimentation uh like what gus van zandt would do with experimentation in a biopic but felt like an actual film like felt like yeah. everything he was doing was warranted. whereas what gus van zandt would seem uh to be gimmicky um in that attempt this felt real uh well because it's will, also it's also action. funny to watch like I, it almost and i know like with, i keep going back to this and it's impossible that steve mcqueen made mangrove in response to the trial of chicago 7 it's impossible. It's not what happened. But you can't help but like watch that scene sometimes feels like where he seals the the file it in, in you know in <clears throat> Alex Weedle and like look at like Todd Phillips and how like overbloated that scene is <laughs> and then well, compare it to this and just you're like you're doing the same thing but you're do- like Steve McQueen knows how to do these things Realist, like not realistically necessarily been the right word, but do them in such a way where they feel earned, and do them in such a way where it has that level of intensity and that level of personal stakes. Mm-hmm. But do it without this sort of implosion of action, without this sort of um, disintegration of trust between audience and and film. You know, it it are, there it's these big moments. Right, It's these big moments that are kind of slightly unrealistic, but they always feel so earned in these McQueen well, films. Whereas like you, you compare it to like his contemporaries and you're like, Oh, this guy's on such a different level.
1: He is. And I mean, which is to say, and I, I, I want to be, cause we haven't really kind of, I don't know. We've talked about how Steve McQueen is so good and these movies are so good.
0: Um, I'm the then, only person that has a Steve McQueen film on his list, by the way. So
1: that's true. That's true. Um, the cast I think in this one is roundly, good um i don't i have a hair in my mouth i think this is like my four i think this is my fourth favorite but they're all really close and i think the only reason it's my fourth is because it feels a little un. it feels a little uneven in it's um not in its execution but in whatever the na- whatever the purpose of the narrative is supposed to be mm. it, it takes it doesn't get there um as efficiently as the other three do, which is not to com- directly compare this one to the other three. It just kind of, it meanders a little bit in, uh, like a, in a way that I don't see that it needs to meander. So when he's in prison um, and Alex is talking to Simeon, he's like, it was always all about the music. That's fine. And it, it, it is in a way like all about the music, but it's also kind of not all about the music. And like we get the impression from the very beginning that it's not all about the music. So I'm not 100% sure if it's like a, in in that moment, it's a like unreliable narrator type of thing or he just, we're meant to understand that he doesn't understand his full nature yet. So it's still at that moment that he's telling him that story, it's still all about the music. He doesn't grasp the larger symbolic meaning of what he was involved in, Mm. which could be true. But I didn't, it wasn't, as clearly defined as I thought maybe it should have been, so that there's like a whole lot of there's a whole lot of him trying to be an m c and I don't necessarily i don't have a full grasp on why he wants to be an m c and i've been i've been thinking about this a lot in terms of um this some stuff I've been writing um the reason that people like stuff so that he's like oh it's all about the music he you know he loves music the first time we hear him listening to music though is in that school room where he's just like you know what's it called i love this song and then that that kid makes fun of him and then he beats the shit out of him I
0: and mean, then you that, but
1: then you have that amazing scene of him laying on the floor so there's these, there's these moments and it's not episodic necessarily but they don't all cling together as well as i think they probably should and yeah, I, but I, i'm not
0: i'm not 100% sure how he resolves that what i took from it is like music has identity like like for him for Alex's music and identity are so uniquely intertwined because of the fact that, you know, the first, outside of his like early headmaster, the first like very strong instance of um, prejudice he got was when he's listening to that song and that, that kid kind of said it directly. Mm-hmm. And that kind of elicited that sort of emotional response that he's always fighting against, because mm-hmm. he is kind of, I mean, when he's young, he's not violent, he's very passive. like that scene where the headmaster kind of like shoves the urine, the urine soaked sheets Ugh, is like yeah. horrifying. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the first time he kind of has like a real visceral response to just sort of an injustice of that sort um, is when he's listening to that music. So I I, I took that as more um, of, of an attempt to kind of say like music is, what's important is identity, you know, and, and Which connecting. Which fair. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, and I think when we said before that the, the, um, the language that the people are speaking is musical, which you can then relate to the idea that the culture in and of itself is musical or has like, not necessarily is musical, but represents um, certain ideals that the music that he loves uh, is, is embedded with.
0: Um, Or the most prominent aspect of the pop culture of the time was the music. Sure. And all that's that's fair. That's what they're recognized for.
1: It's just not as necessarily clear as, um, I wanted it to be. And there's, so there's stuff in it. Like, I think the, I think the, I think the poem is really beautiful. And I think the way that they do the poem is really beautiful. Um, like just kind of stopping everything. And I think it's of a piece of uh, a movie that feels really kind of um, that it could go anywhere, that it can kind of explode. And you don't really I think that's the other interesting thing about it is that I didn't really know where it was going to go or where mm-hmm. it was going to end up, um, which I thought was good. But then when it ended up where it did, I was just kind of like, all right, like there's a little, there's some, some of the script. So this wouldn't be on my list of original screenplays because some of it seems so polemical. Like Simeon just being like, you have to read. This is what you have to read. Um, I was just kind of like, yeah, that's, that's really good. And it's really well acted, um, but there's not like, it would've, it would've been cool to have a little more poetry to that idea. Yeah, um, instead of it, someone is, just like shouting it at him, like very specifically, this is what you should do.
0: Which is like where I, I, it feels like the constraints are in place um, of the form. Like it it definitely feels like Steve McQueen has 80 to 100 minute long ideas here that he has to like condense down because...
1: Well, see, and that's I don't even know. Do you think that he had to condense them or that he started on this project and he was like, oh, I could condense it?
0: Or could, it could be that, or, you know. I could strip he had, everything he a, out of this, but, like, the, it's it's essentials. He had time crunch. He could have also had a time crunch. We don't it's necessarily possible. know. Um, possible. He can't, you know, even though Steve McQueen's partially superhuman, maybe he doesn't have the ability to make five two hour long movies.
1: Five again. masterpieces uh, that get released in five I really consecutive hope, weeks. I really
0: hope Education's just, like, the worst movie ever, though. I just hope this last one is just, like, fucking garbage.
1: Well, I'm going to be honest with you. He's, He's just like
0: this... because I can do it.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just going to make this <laughs> terrible. Um <laughs> no, it'd be funny if education was just like the movie version of the the original film of dear white people with Steve McQueen just kind of um <laughs> uh oh what's what is what are those guys on Sci Fi Network, that just that watched the movies and made fun uh, of them. Mystery <laughs> Science Theater like, Mystery science Theater, people. and you're just kind of like, burr, 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 and like made them do funny voices and stuff like that. He's just like throwing it in the towel. He's like, fuck it. Um, but I will say though, that, and I don't know if you're experiencing this, I'm having a little problem watching other movies while watching this, the small act stuff. Because it makes movies that aren't as good seem really stupid. And even before I saw this movie, watching the other two movies we we're gonna we are gonna talk about this week, I was like, "There's no way that Alex Weedle doesn't make this these two movies
0: look like well, but, it, yeah,
1: stupid movies."
0: But I guess I guess the thing is too though is like at the same time it works conversely in the in the same way, and the fact that I almost think of my appreciation of sound of metal was heightened by Small Axe. Sure, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think the intimacy of something like sound of metal was you know helped by that um hmm. like mank was obviously hurt by small acts uh but 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 sound of metal i think is a film that was so intimate and a film that focuses so much on like musicality um and not even just in the in the musical sense but in in terms of it's like lyricism of filmmaking like i, I think i had a bigger appreciation because of small acts
1: yeah i think that's yeah, fair. So,
0: so i think yeah. maybe, maybe steve mcqueen just makes you appreciate good movies um, it, You know, he it, it keeps you on a journey. He keeps you on, on a straight line,
1: mm-hmm. you know? Like from one place to another?
0: From one place to another. Like from New York to England. Like it's like a red, like I'm imagining a red dot. Yeah. A, 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 a series of red dashes going da, across da, the da, sea. Da, da, <laughs> da. Um, you know, and on that, on that ship is Murphy Brown. <laughs> and uh, one of the prosecutors from Law and Order. And um, Lucas. Hedges. And
1: and the, And just Lucas Hedges. Nobody else. Lucas Hedges. I was going to make another joke about Diane Weiss but I'm not going to.
0: Laurie did a Diane Weese joke. Right, that's, no, that's I was going to add. I was going to add
1: to it. I was going to oh. add to it. So
0: she's sorry. just. She's just known for that. Uh, <laughs> we are talking about the HBO Max Steven Soderbergh film, probably shot on an iPhone. Was this one shot on an iPhone? too? I don't think so. Okay. Well, whatever. It's uh. Let them all talk. I just don't know who you are anymore. Does anybody trust
2: you? We really lost each other. How's work going? Oh. I've hit a wall. Well, maybe you should take a breather. Sometimes the sources that a writer uses are very close to home. There is a lot of excitement. Is there anything you might be able to share with us? Not really, not at this point, no. Whatever character I write about is essentially about me. That's a little pompous. Who is the real you? Where's Tyler? He has a date, an older woman. <laughs> How much older? Like in her eighties. <laughs> uh, I
0: guess I guess Beryl Streep wrote a book that people loved. It got Pulitzer Prize. She's writing a sequel to that book. Maybe. Maybe, who knows, uh, her agent's like, you have to go accept this award in the UK. And Meryl Streep's like, I can't, because secretly I have deep vein thrombosis and I'm yeah, going to die. Why not tell anybody that she has deep vein thrombosis? <laughs> because we've got to move the plot forward. So we're going to take a ship instead. And Steven Soderbergh's like, cool, let's do that. Let's put Candace Bergen and Diana Wiest on this ship and Lucas Hedges. Also, let's make everything a nightmare by having Thomas Newman do one of the worst scores ever made just undercutting this entire fucking garbage film uh they're on the ship they keep going uh james patterson is there or dean coons or something i don't know no chris uh chris Krantz, something yeah whatever more. no no Another we're gonna guy, do it
1: no his name is kelvin Kelvin
0: cramps uh, who i thought was tom wilkinson for a moment but then it wasn't and i was like man i wish it was tom wilkinson well then it steals
1: the score from paul giamatti's most famous movie why not just get paul giamatti
0: well, oh, that'd be good. That you know, good. Uh, you know, they're on the boat. They're traveling on a boat. Uh, Meryl Street kind of wanders around. Lucas Hedges and Gemma Chen have a relationship, which is the only part of this movie that I found somewhat interesting.
1: Except for was... all of Lucas Hedges' weird improvisations while Gemma Chen oh, is right. trying to talk to him when he's like, "Oh wow," and she's just like, "Oh, I'm I, I... I'm trying to act around you. I'm just trying to tell you a sto- like a, a a personal story. And every time I say anything, <laughs> you're like, "Oh wow." You just went oh, wow. to the Owen
0: Wilson school of acting. Um, and, you know, eventually they get to do their side, and there's this <clears> guy <throat> who's been coming out Meryl Streep's Alice's room, and it turns out that she's not fucking him. That's a doctor, because she's 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 got the deep vein thrombosis. Then she dies, but she really wanted to go see this author's um, death place burial site, so they go there.
1: Was that a real author?
0: No, it wasn't. It was a creation of... Um, the uh what's her face is uh, deborah eisenberg that's too bad wallace sean's partner by the way
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: uh yeah this movie is bad very bad just um <laughs> i'll agree with all like the critical reviews that i like candace bergen yeah in it candace bergen's fun um her and Diana Weiss seem like the only person to understand, and Gemma Chan seem like the only three people who understand what improvisation's supposed to be, which is mm-hmm. kind of like fun and interesting. Meryl Streep just kind of casually like floats around like a buoy. Well, she doesn't like have big, deep vein thrombosis in her
1: brain. Yeah.
0: So um, I'm not sure
1: why she just kind of is, is seems had- so foggy the whole time.
0: What I told to you though is, is sums up my opinion of this. This movie is the personification of Otto Felicio. I have never seen a movie blow itself as hard as this movie does. So much so that they intercut sequences of this film with like showing the people working at the ship, as though so to say, "Oh, these people's like rant like these people's highfalutin quote unquote problems don't compare to like the ship workers. Look at them." They're just working along, and their lives, they're like the people keeping everything afloat, but we don't care about them. Well, even Soderbergh needs to stop. He needs to, here's he needs to make, like, one movie every four years, and the three other movies he thinks of in between those movies, somebody needs to come up to him and slap him in the face a couple times and mm-hmm. be like, make Unsane, then stop for a while, then make Logan lucky, stop for a while. And then stop making movies. Yeah. Um, you think Meryl Streep needs to be in your movie? No. Meryl no. Streep and Gary Oldman. If you cast them, just don't make that movie.
1: Yeah. Um. One of the things I so I went on a Twitter rant yesterday that was much longer. Oh, we're go- we're gonna bring this up. Um. Only from the sense that like one of the things Armand White knows of our existence now, which makes me happy. And I maybe I'll reference him a little bit in the sense that like when Armand White's writing a film review, one of the things he doesn't talk about at all is the process through which they 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 made that film. So. A film isn't necessarily good just because he got the idea to actually go on the Queen Anne and shoot it or Queen Mary Queen Anne Queen Mary the 2 yeah. Queen, Queen Mary, Mary two. to go on the Queen Mary 2 and shoot a film doesn't make good it doesn't make it a good film. These are things I know yeah. about because podcasts that I listened to that said this movie was good. They just want to congratulate Steven Soderbergh for like doing it in this way that he would give his editing suite. And he would had an editing suite on board and he would go to his room every night and he would edit. And then like, so they shot for seven days and then there was a movie.
0: You know what makes, you know what makes I, I, see, I'll, I'll push back slightly on that. You know what makes that actually interesting? I'll say the process of making a movie becomes really interesting when the movie itself is good. Sure. And then when you look into, like, The Fountain, we talked about how, like, it was looking like some of this, this kind of CG, not CGI, but some of the special effects were done by looking at close level, like, chemical reactions. Yep. The Fountain's a great movie. Then you search into that and be like, oh, that's really cool, but that's one of the processes he did in which to right. make it. You that's the only time. You it, start with the
1: idea sense. of it being a good movie, and then you no. go deeper into it. None of those things in and of themselves, though, make it good. It's just the way they made a pretty stupid movie. You know what yeah, I mean?
0: Like, I appreciate Candace Bergen's performance a little more, knowing that she improvised, like improvised a lot of it.
1: Well, and here's what I'd say. I actually didn't – I didn't <laughs> – <clears throat> I didn't hate it the film I think it stinks but because, yeah i was the same because Diane Weist is is Diane Wiest and Candace Bergen is Candace Bergen Lucas Hedges even though he's
0: terrible
1: improvising is still and Gemma, like
0: Gemma Chen's really solid too as well but
1: so there's like apparently there was like a there was like a it was like it was improvised but in in the same way I think that a Uh, episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm is improvised that like it's heavily structured and they kind of improvise within that structure. Gemma Chan seemed to be there. She had to do the most work I think in terms of pushing the structure of the film along, especially in the beginning. So a lot of her stuff doesn't necessarily sound improvised or she's just so much better at improvising than goddamn Meryl Streep that it just sounds like it's actual dialogue while Meryl Streep just sounds like she's thinking on film. Which is or, yeah. or or you know digital files or whatever you know however you frame that now, um, he just got a sh- Steven
0: Soderbergh just got a shard and inserted it into his brain
1: maybe um but it's just weird it's just it's 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 it was not it was not like the worst movie ever, but it played out exactly like a sh- a, a, a stupid New Yorker elitist horrible short story where they're just holding onto information just for the sake of there being like, Oh, a twist, deep vein thrombosis. Of course. He's not her lover. He's her doctor. Of course. But if he, she invited him on the trip and she keeps trying to talk to him. Why won't he talk to her? I don't get it. Why is he just like, why is she walking up to her on the ship? And then he's just like walking away. Oh, why? So we don't know that they're like,
0: everything in done in this is like in, in purpose of, of the story. Um, I'm gonna say this though. I, I think I disliked it quite a bit. Um, I thought it was kind of bland and boring. The thing that makes me lean towards hating it is this has to be one of the worst film scores I've heard oh, in my it's life. Awful. What is the point? It's just... as you said. It's it's it's. I, I can't remember who did the score for Sideways off the top of my head. You funny, but, um, Thomas Newman. Yeah, no shit. Um, but it does. Who was it? It, it was uh, Rolf Kent, who I'm not at all. Oh, Rolf with. Kent it's so like of course in the air thank you for smoking he just says works with oh he did he did the theme song for Dexter that's a yeah. good theme song there right. you go da, 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 da. anyways this this scores everywhere over this film like this movie is incessantly when there's not kind of bland dialogue going on from yep. Meryl Streep because unfortunately Meryl Streep infects most of this film um it's a, it's that fucking Thomas Newman score and I fucking wanted to just blow out my eardrums hearing the score. Well, we, like, we, and I, I, I'm not saying this to criticize Tom, I'm saying this to criticize Thomas Newman's score. But if Thomas Newman ever listens to this podcast, you've done good work before. I even like your kind of boring Road to Perdition stuff that came after American Beauty that I know you're not a big fan of. I like that stuff. This was not the right move. And just go back, go back to your wheelhouse after this. What was how the film it was how the score was used too. So the
1: score is really bland and boring, <clears throat> but it's also like when they're not talking, sometimes there just be this like raucous, like loungy jazz score, and you're just like, why? Like it's she's like she's just, just walking to, a to dinner. 11. Yeah, she's yeah. just walking from one end of the one part of the ship to like another part of the ship. I don't get it. It
0: was very. No. It was very strange. Everything. Everything about this film feels like. There's these moments of stillness, like where maybe they just didn't have story, and Steven Soderbergh's like, "I have to fill it with something."
1: Yeah. So here are some shots of huge vats of food, which was disturbing. Yeah. I don't want to see that. I don't want to. I don't want to know anything about that stuff. I didn't want to see Mario. We have to make also, a list
0: of stuff we don't want. Oh no, go ahead. Uh, I will say this: one of the weirdest shot scenes of the year is going to have to go to the date scene <laughs> between. I don't remember uh, Tyler and Karen. Karen's Gemma yeah. Chen's character, yeah, Luke yeah. and such. Um. Like Karen, like like, like Gemma Chen is acting. Also, you're in a different room than you usually are. That's interesting. Um.
2: <laughs>
0: I moved to the place where we have the the um, internet hooked up. Got it. Uh, like, Karen Gemma Chen's Karen seems like a real person in an awkward date situation. Um, Tyler's like Lucas Hedges. Tyler feels like a twelve-year-old boy. He goes from being like an adult man to like a twelve-year-old boy asking out a woman, and it's like Steven Soderbergh thinks somehow that this is what happens when a younger man asks out who's who's, who's an adult. He's supposed to be like twenty-five or so in this film is asking out an older-ish woman. Um, she's supposed to be thirty-seven, thirty-eight, maybe. Uh, well, Meryl Sheep kind of, like,
1: was like, oh, she's 35, but she might be older. It's like, why
0: does that matter? 36, excuse me. Is that what she said? 36? Yeah, 36. Uh, it's after 35, you start caring about... Yeah, it just felt... It had that real sort of... And I know this is written, quote, unquote, by, by a woman, but, like, that the real sort of, like, a man's fingerprints all over that scene of just, like, not understanding anything it was just like like this is the thing that bothers me about this film there's so many just like weird fucking moments that just don't feel like real people
2: Mm. it's
0: like like the next movie we're going to talk about is a musical so it's like artifice written all over it but this feels like one of the most artificial movies i've seen all year
1: i agree with you um I, i agree with you 100 and that i think it's i think that scene in particular is kind of unfortunate or no, not that scene specifically, but like this—the scene prior to that, when they're just kind of talking, and she's talking about her relationship. I mentioned it before, um, where it seems like they're having two separate conversations, and like, somebody- and
0: she's she's doing a good, like, a good job carrying, like, a woman who's actually, like, which is unfortunate because, like, she's carrying, like, the I feel like I'm reaching a point where, like, I'm fo- so focused on my career and I've lost this, and that goes nowhere, and like. Instead, you're like, let's focus on the Candace Bergen, Meryl Streep situation. It's like, I don't give a fuck about this. This is a nothing burger. Well, I don't
1: know why they don't, like, I don't know why they waited so long to have, um, maybe not that why they waited so long, because I guess you would want to wait long if you were making the film because you'd want to kind of draw the drama of that. But I think the weird thing was the way in which they kept, um, he kept forcing them to avoid each other. Yeah, and i was like but there how many times are they gonna do this like how, how many times are they gonna put themselves in situations where like how many or how many times is one of them gonna say to the other one let's go get a drink and then the other one be like i can't or the other one be like sure and then have something happen where they they can't speak now i think they did it like five times that stuff's not interesting this is one of the things this is one of the great things i guess about the small acts films is that like he's so economical that he doesn't give you anything that you don't need. Where this film just insisted on being two hours long. Yeah. So we could have all of these like
0: permutations of two people not meeting. Steve McQueen's let them all talk would be about 25 minutes. <laughs> she, would, she, would, she would, she would, just would she Kampus Kampus would, and like, she would say like,
1: she throws her overboard.
0: No, it'd also be like, Alice would be like, I can't, I have deep vein thrombosis. Oh, here's an idea. Let's like do like a zoom acceptance speech. Or something yeah. I don't know um, the thing I love though is the continued uh, treatment of Diana West as kind of like the matronly voice of reason one of these days a, a director of like the Nicholas Winding reefin caliber <laughs> is going to take her and make her into like the Albert Brooks character from Drive I'm I was waiting just thinking for that, that moment. same thing yeah like yeah. somebody has to do that with her
2: because be she's great. a great
0: actress I think there's a really solid villain performance in her. Like there's a solid, like most horrific <clears throat> human being that ever lived performance. Like a William Diana Hurt,
1: East. a William Hurt history of violence performance.
0: Yeah, like Noah Hawley has like unfortunately kind of like run out of his Fargo steam. Yeah, it's like like season two. Gene Smart, get rid of her. I love Gene Smart in season two of Fargo. Replace her with Diana West. I sure that would have been great. Mm. Somebody mm. has to, like Brian Fuller. He's not doing anything right now. Let's get <laughs> Brian Fuller to do something where he gets Diana Weiss as just like the most awful human being ever.
1: Well, they could, you know, one of the things they could do is that Ryan Murphy can take out Jessica Lang and his American Horror Story shit. And,
0: I think she might have quit Diane that Weiss. series. What? She might, have, she, might have, she might have quit that series by now.
1: Who, Jessica Lang?
0: Yeah. Nah. Because I would be tired of ryan murphy shit by now uh
1: i would think but apparently famous movie stars are not tired of ryan murphy and i don't know why famous movie stars (laughs) famous movie stars our third film we're going to talk about is the uh ryan murphy adaptation of the musical the prom
2: let's get this party started it's time to I'm gonna take a stand For all the people out there Who love someone in a way the world just Doesn't understand
0: Okay, I admit that got to me
2: It's time to
1: This is now airing on Netflix. Thanks. <laughs> which seems this seems appropriate. Um, yeah. it, so it's easy to forget. Um, you know, we could watch it and then just move on with our lives. Do you want to do
0: a plot description of this movie? Well, I just
1: Meryl Streep plays Meryl Streep and James Corden play like has been Broadway actors. And Nicole Kidman, kind of. Well, I guess she was in the I the
0: chorus. I think it's funny that
1: Nicole and um my wife brought this up when we were watching the undoing the idea that like Nicole Kidman just kind of being like the second part of a relationship and and being cheated on and stuff like that. And walking around all Nicole Kidman just seems so weird. Like she just seems imperfect for all these roles. The idea that someone that looks like Nicole Kidman is not getting roles on Broadway is hilarious. It's hilariously stupid, (laughs) Um, but they play these, these kind of, uh, has been Broadway actors who bomb, whose musical uh, bio of Eleanor Roosevelt bombs, and so to get their careers back on track because they're so unlikable, they find a cause, and the cause is that this Indiana town will not let this um, lesbian girl bring her girlfriend to prom,
0: or no, even go to prom, really. or
1: go to prom, and so she, and then, so they drive out there with a even i don't know why they don't get their own conveyance out to indiana they hitch a ride with a touring company of godspell and uh go to indiana and cause a bunch of problems for people um eventually it works out in the end um but yeah
0: even the uh awful puritanical gop mother Comes
1: around the Well, we well, we could talk about that. I mean, one of the things I think was so. Well, overall, what's your, what's your overall impression? My overall film? impression of this film was that I kind of it
0: was okay. Yeah, think, I'm I'm weirdly like I hate musicals. Here, here's I'm thing. weirdly shocked that I found this to be entertaining.
1: I think the cat. I think a lot of the casting choices um, are awful. The Meryl Streep is awful. Yeah, he's just awful. There's got to be someone else that they can, can play that role. She fucking stinks. I don't get the Nicole Kidman casting. James Corden, were James Corden fans in this house.
0: I don't. I don't, Our, know. I don't um, know. They like Jonah the, Pellman. kills it. I, like, she's very good. Uh, uh, Keegan Mike, and Key, I like as well. He's and, got, uh, he brings a lot of heart to it, and I think and Andrew Reynolds is is good. Well, Andrew I like his, Andrew I, Reynolds I is
1: like, fantastic.
0: Yeah. I love his um what the fuck's the song he sings? I uh, love that neighbor. Like, that's I hate a, that uh, I hate that song. I hate that song, but like he sells. I, I think, I, I he's think just it's a really terrible good. song. He just sells it. Yeah, he's really good. Um which leads
1: me to my my first point when I talk about the casting is that like I'm not 100% sure why they didn't cast like a bunch of Andrew Rannells. Like why not cast a bunch of people who like you know but aren't you don't know. Like this is a this is a uh, you know um
0: Nobody yeah, why cares was it, about this? This is a Netflix it,
1: production. Why, why was it why James bother Corden, casting these people?
0: Why was it James Corden's character like Anthony Rapp?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Anthony Rapp probably would have been perfect for this. Like, it also would have got over the entire thing of like the the big controversy. And I don't, I don't know. I, I hate James Corden. I think he fucking sucks and ruins a lot of things he's in. I don't, and like as I said early on, like. In my early watching of it, he felt like he was trying to do his best Dan Levy early in this movie. He mm-hmm. kind of he kind of pulls it back as the movie goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of like the criticisms been like how stereotyped he is and how like stereoty- I don't I think he's that. that bad. I just no, I just think, but I just don't think it's great. I don't think it's. I think it's a, a role that had a lot to chew on. Yeah, and I don't think Gabe's Corden's a good actor. Well, my problem is so, so what I just. Do you think? I think there's something that could have been there, and I also don't think he has a good enough voice to do no. what he's supposed to be doing. And one of the things I think James Corden I think was interesting,
1: and I think James Corden probably kind of lobbied for the role. I, I think it, Andrew Rannells would have been good in his role. I think my bigger problem is the Nicole Kidman the the Nicole Kidman thing. Like, I'm not 100 percent sure why you don't cast like, and maybe this is, was in my mind because we just watched yeah. this Hamilton. Athena um, Oh. No, not a Dina or Dina that would be good, but like um, Renee Elise Goldsberry is not doing it. I mean, she's not doing anything. Why not cast her? And she's 50. Like she makes sense, like in, I guess she can't play. Or Molly Shannon, if we're talking about 50. Yeah, you could, or like anybody. <laughs> I'm 50. Um, <laughs> there's so many different directions that you could go in. I'm not sure, like I, when I was watching this movie, I was like, how does B.B. Newworth not get this Meryl Streep role? And Bibi Newareth would have freaking killed it. And she's ten Ooh. years younger than Meryl Streep.
0: Bibi Neworth would have been good. Um, she's, she's has musical experience too. Right? She's that's all she does. That and being fraser Frazier's ex-wife.
1: Yeah, but that's like what she does to make money. Like what oh, she does is, as an artist know. is she's a she's a, a theatrical performer. She performs in musicals. That being said, I also have like a weird thing with like the Kerry Washington performance. Not, I don't, Carrie Washington is, is is a polarizing figure for me. I watched all that Little Fires Everywhere series and she stinks in that. And I thought it was just that it was, there was a lot of things that she was doing that I thought were like part of the character, but no, they're just things that she does. It's a bold fucking choice. One, to not put this in 2005. Yeah, like and I said. That's for the politics, and I want to talk about that in a second. Um, The politics of, 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 LGBTQ culture and all that other stuff. It's weird to be in t- to this Indiana town Christian conservatives is the original musical people, set in
0: 2005 came out in original, 2005. No, the original musicals from 816 no, the, original, the original musicals set in Mississippi by the way, where this would have made much is it in Mississippi? Where's the original musical from? Is the original musical set in Indiana? I thought it was
1: the. the um, I don't know. We're going to leave this in because I don't care. Uh, we're doing research, folks.
0: Yeah, no, it's from it, the original musicals in Indiana. Okay. It's based upon an actual case from Mississippi in 2010. Like Oh, okay. You know. Oh, I thought it was much older than that. The case is 2010. The musical's from twenty sixteen. Okay. Which is a which is a, a big which is a, a weird political problem. So hold on. Children I hear a cat in the background.
1: That's my yeah, that's my cat. What did you say about the um the the, the relationship when we were watching the prom? Remember what you said? Remember the question you asked? Why do people even care about that stuff? What did you say? Why do people even
2: care about that
1: stuff? Yeah, why do people even care about that stuff? Very good. Okay, thank you. So, my seven year old is watching this,
0: and you heard what he asked, which is Oh, look at that. I have the awareness to close the door. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm never gonna, I would never create a child that had that awareness. My child would just literally <laughs> shit on the floor and then probably just like start eating it. He's done that before. Um,
1: he's watching this. He's seven. And I guess we've raised him right or something, but he's just like, why does this matter? And it's just like, yeah, why does this matter? Like it's 2000, so this musical came out, I thought this musical came out so much later. This musical came out in 2016, I guess this happened in Mississippi and Mississippi might still be in the 1940s. I don't know. But for the rest of the country, we're not. Especially like even a red
0: state like Indiana is not that far gone.
1: Well, because of who their governor used to be, Indiana has had a lot of like experience in dealing with this exact issue. And in most cases, I think people are pretty good. Like the idea of like, I think, what was your text message? Like the, Oh no, a lesbian movie or like the, oh no, a lesbian kind of idea or a gay person idea, I think we're just kind of over it. Like there's gotta be a more nuanced argument to make other than very specifically, she likes girls. So we have to turn our whole life around to make sure that she can't have some stuff. You know what I mean? I feel like we're, I feel like as a culture, that argument has become so much more nuanced and carries so much oh. more and has so much more to it now than simply the simple act of uh, uh one person loving a person of the same
0: sex right which 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 becomes funny in the fact in this where it's like a like this movie kind of makes the joke of like oh here's these coastal elites and it's just like like it tries to play off that but it ends up feeling like you can't nudge that when you're kind of making that exact point like no 2020 or even 2016, Indiana Town is having this much of a hubbubaloo about, you know, a lesbian couple going. They might get stares while they're there, but they're going to be allowed there because Indiana Towns realize they have to.
1: Yeah, well, exactly. And especially they're not going to invite the press because that's going to get on, like, to social media and stuff like that. That's going to be a problem for you. And so they're going to go back on it. Um I don't know. I feel like it's like the same thing with kind of happiest season. The politics of this seems like barely retrograde. And um, I'm not sure why we're still kind of perpetuating these, these, these narratives.
0: I think, I think it's, I was, I was reading today and I don't know why, but I, I didn't realize that the show moderns family had ended this year. Mm. I guess it did. Um, That's sad. And one of the reviews talked about how, like it was interesting to watch the show about like a, a normalized gay couple uh, started, you know, before the marriage equality question popped up, like, like was created with mm-hmm. Proposition 8 or whatever. I, that was a proposition. 8. I can't remember the proposition in California. Yeah. And by the time the show ended, you know, gay marriage is the constitutional law of the land. And saying like how it's like indicative of kind of like the process of the 2010s in terms of how we treat um, you, you know, LBGTQ IA plus equality mm-hmm. um, and, and that's that's the thing is is like is like i i think it's important to maybe realize that that social issue pro- progressed very quickly mm-hmm. i think like in this past decade like we made a lot of headway um, Yeah. as a society of what we, we found, it, like what we 2010 this movie makes sense in Indiana. I buy it. Yep. 2020, I don't buy it anymore. And it's great that I don't buy it anymore. But I almost feel as though it it's better served to put this movie in even 2010. I say 2005, but I would buy it in 2010. Mm-hmm. To say like this is how close we, we are. Barely a decade removed, we a one president removed from like how shitty we were on this one topic. Mhm. You know, uh, and that's, a, uh, it, it is a disservice to like set this, but when you set it in modern day, you end up going like, I just don't believe it. I just can't
1: I it. don't believe that it's this simple. I, there, if the, if, if there was an issue, it would be way more complex and have way more layers yeah. other than the fact that like, she's gay and I don't like it.
0: Yeah, and the fact that like the biggest issue this movie's created is the fact that a straight actor is doing a slightly stereotyped gay performance speaks volumes about how far we progressed on that issue. But Again, um, I mean, and it's one of those weird which things. Is great, where, it's a
1: great, it's a great problem to have. <laughs> but it's also a weird problem that, like, he got cast in the first place. Like, how does that happen? Like, because he's a with, name, he's a known name. I, I guess so there's no gay actors. There's no gay musical actors that are known names that we can cast to here. You know, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But
0: again, so, um, but from a movie, from a, so like talking about it now from a movie basis, um. I think ultimately it's, it's fine. Uh, that bombasticness of Ryan Murphy both serves it and disturbs it. Um, I think, uh, love that neighbor, which is a terrible song is made a little more fun by how much Ryan Murphy throws at it. Um, like that entire, like the way it's choreographed is fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, but at the same time, like, um, first performance of unruly heart when she's just like playing it as a youtube video it's great yeah like i i I don't think it's i think the performance is great but man do i wish we didn't have the bed moving all the way around just let the camera be let the camera be static let her just be playing in front of the camera don't have her like framed in a halo of a rainbow which is just so fucking hand-fisted like, just have her performing in a bed. Like, it's the mo- one moment where this movie has so much kinetic energy. It's always roaming. It's always supposed to be kind of fun. Um, and then we, like, just have it when she's doing that song. Let, let it sit on that. Let it sit on her performance. You know, that actress, um, I'm forgetting her name right now. Um, you know, Joellen Pellman has a solid enough voice It's like, Do the shit out of that song and carry whatever you do. So when you get back when you get back to the reprise at the end, like then you could do your highly choreographed moment. You could go like fucking crazy with it. And the juxtaposition would work there. Of like it's a really refrained, controlled performance of somebody singing their heart out about like this is a really personal issue to me, versus like when everyone kind of has come around and accepted it, then you have like the bombasticness of it. And it's like that's where Ryan Murphy fucking sucks is Ryan Murphy knows how to like go at like 11. He never knows how to go at like a two. He doesn't know how to ever pull it back. Well, that's This movie I mean, looks great all the time. Well, it's unfortunate so yeah. that Matthew LeBetique Le is going to be like strung up in chains in a Polish prison for like the next 30 years because like it looks great. Um, He's the
1: hero of the movie, I think. He's yeah. like the, the thing that um, keeps it together and keeps it like functioning instead of being ridiculous and it often is ridiculous but it never kind of tilts to that point of ridiculousness where like you wanna you're just like i can't watch this anymore
0: it's so clean the colors in this are so there's are so like such clear it, it feels great. like a, a color book put mm. into like action so like nothing saturates like nothing like blends into each other it's always so bombastic like it's bombastic it's like basically what I imagine Ryan Murphy's brain looks like, like Matthew Libatique was able to like put it onto the screen. Well, see, it's punch funny a, because- And they punched a paramedic in the face, of course. Yeah, I am, um, I think- I'm just gonna keep doing Matthew Libatique going to prison forever jokes.
1: Yeah, I feel sad about that. Um, but I Nothing don't feel sad about how he uses purples in this movie because, <laughs> or how he does
0: that, that- like Like the purple, blue, and gray that he put around that paramedic's eye. <laughs> um yeah i don't
1: know they I can't they can say to that stuff um but yeah he's really good um uh she's really good um joanne Pellman, right that's
0: It's her name yeah andrew andrew right. reynolds is great andrew reynolds is great um everyone else uh keegan michael key is is good he's not the best singer but like he's at least somebody giving heart to hard. like the story
1: oh, performance of it. I had one more thing. Is that this movie kind of seems to, it's like, it, uh, and this is like a Meryl Streep thing too, I think. Is it Meryl Streep seems to take is, it, it's interesting that we're doing these two movies because she seems the, to be the one in both of these movies that's taking everything way too seriously. So when she's yeah, on Meryl screen, Streep is not having fun in this. She drags like the, everything down. And like, even when she's doing a musical number, you're just like, this isn't fun. But then when, it makes though for these moments of that almost kind of act like that are borderline satirical, like Keegan-Michael Key talking about the the power and the necessity of actors. I'm just like, well, that's stupid, but I don't think they, I think it's, it's meant to be more tongue in cheek, but when it's played off of a like the undertaker, um, you know, in a in an orange wig like Mark, Mark Callaway's but yeah. in <laughs> yeah. case you're wondering what we're talking about the um, wrestler. It's hard to kind of take it. She's so dour and down and I guess there's no fun. She's not having any fun. That's the thing. Even Nicole Kidman who stinks in this movie and I have no idea why she's in it. Is but she's having, having like a, a good time.
0: She's having a good time. Yeah. I don't um, think she's, I don't think Nicole Kidman stinks. I just think Nicole Kidman is just kind just, of like she's, she's just she's kind of like, Nicole, like yeah, she's tuned into, like, the frequency of
1: it. Well, I think she's tuned into the frequency of it, but she's Nicole Kidman. This doesn't work. Nicole Kidman as, like, a uh, 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 never-done-anything like company actress on Broadway who's just kind of happy to be there is dumb. It's yeah. just dumb. That's, like, the same thing that happened when she was in I Married a Communist. Or, no, it, uh, the, the other Philip Roth adaptation, The Human Stain, when she played a janitor. You're like, Yeah. Nicole Kidman says she's a great janitor. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. it's just kind of it just makes no sense um but but it, it's like when it's not doing when it's not kind of bogged down in that crap it it's light and and, and fun and it is okay yeah no I agree um and and a lot the movie of... stars on our, on the screen and it's good,
0: yeah no that's true when it it I think my favorite number in this entire film is um Dance With You. Yep.
1: Like I agree. Dance With
0: You? Yep. No no.
1: Well, I don't know what it's called, but those, that's the lyric.
0: Like Dance With You is the Pelman and, and her song and also um God, is that the song? Uh Dance With You and also the one where it's dance no, yeah, it's Dance With You. The one where like they're ask like all the side characters are asking people out to the prom. Mm-hmm. Like, that's my favorite number. Yeah. Which ends with dance. Yeah, it is dance with you. Like, it's all of them asking you out, and it ends up with her. And- well, kind of, yeah,
1: it kind of runs through the thing, and then it ends the, the musical and all that other stuff. Um, yeah. But it's, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. It was better than Let Them All Talk.
0: Um, it's, better, it's better than Trial of the Chicago Seven. Better than Trial of the Chicago Seven.
1: Um, but it's just, it was, it's, you know, culturally weird, but not unenjoyable. It's actually probably the only thing I've ever liked that Ryan Murphy is.
0: Yeah, outside like the first two seasons of Nip Tuck, I would agree. Um, I do like the first couple seasons of Nip Tuck. Uh, Yeah, no, I will say in terms of most surprising films of the year, this will be one of my most surprising films. Mm. Like, because I watched like the first seven minutes of this, I'm like, oh, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> like you said, you could stop if you want to. And I was like, no, I'm going pow- to like, power through it. And about 50 minutes in, I was like, at first I was kind of distracting myself with like washing dishes and cleaning. And about 50 minutes in, I had sat down and was watching it. And it was yeah. kind of like bobbing along to the numbers. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. If you want to disagree with us vehemently because you're a critic or reviewer for the National Review, you could do so. At Film Pivotal,
1: why well, like Kyle Smith is gonna is gonna email us, um, <laughs> tweeted us, um, or you can go to pivotalfilmpodcast@gmail.com or you can go to pivotalfilm.com, which has been recently updated, huh, huh, huh. Uh, I get it. And uh, yeah, while I was watching Little All Talk, and um, <laughs> you made good use of your time. I actually did. made
0: dinner while making that movie, so I did. I
1: um,
0: made some pasta. It's pretty tasty. It's pretty nice. Pretty nice. Put some kale in that.
1: Uh next week is a big week. More Rainey's Black Bottom, the fifth small axe movie. What's the other movie we're doing?
0: Wolf Walkers. Wolf Walkers. and I think we're gonna do our top five Christmas movies.
1: Yep, that'll be perfect.
0: After, a day after Christmas. The most appropriate time to do it.
1: That'll be good. Or unless you want to do it unless you wanna do it now. Unless you want to do one right now after we've finished recording this and then now nah, it's nine forty five.
0: Yeah, no, I also got to tell you my top albums of the year before. So. Oh, sure. Okay.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, that's it. Um, Which so I'll, go... I'll,
0: I'll link the Spotify playlist on my top albums of the year, guys. Don't worry. Got I'll a Spotify put that on our play... Twitter. Yeah, good, I, I, good, good.
1: I created it. I'll, and I'll list my top five albums on, on there, on Twitter. And everyone will be like, what? Why is that? Um, anyway, all right. Go listen to music and watch movies. And drink beer and uh, See you next week. Yeah,
0: was All right, we're How do I share my screen? Oh.